Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Tribble Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe Podcast. Chase Tolson joins the Travel Tribe Podcast this week as we chat about his work in building healthy lifestyles and routines ranging from physical fitness and healthy eating to the importance of breath and affirmations. Chase, thanks so much for joining us. Jordan, thank you for having me. Man, this is, uh, I'm excited to be here. Always excited to jam on all the things. Very cool. Very cool. So if you could just give our listeners a little bit of a background on, on what you do, where you, how you got to where you're at now, your journey, just a little quick snapshot of Chase Tolson as a person. Definitely. Uh, my dad had a weight bench in his bedroom when I was four years old. So physical fitness was something that was a part of life. Now that was all that was like fit, you know, going through high school. I mean, I had the, the Camaro and the leather jacket and I smoked a lot. <laughs> and, you know, so, uh, yeah, I lifted weights. It, it was after high school, uh, when I was prepping to go into the Navy, I thought I wanted a Navy SEAL contract and that developed more of a healthy lifestyle. It was more still overdoing it in the gym side of things. Cause when you're trying to get to that volume, that's where you need to live. Uh, the Navy took away my opportunity to, they changed the rules on me, uh, to get a Navy SEAL contract. Five days before I went to contract and they uh, sent out an instruction that made a misdemeanor arrest on my record unwaverable. So I was like, nope, sorry, you're illegal now. Uh, you can go turn wrenches. So I spent four years in the engine rooms. Uh, I grew disenfranchised with a broken leadership structure and advancement system and uh, got out. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to go open a gym and change lives. 2014, I opened up a CrossFit gym. And yeah, I was changing lives. I was getting people more fit. They were having fun. That's awesome. Very noble. There was something more there for me. Like, it's like, yeah, this is cool. These people are still leaving complaining about their lives, or this person still has aches and pains. So we started a more individualized approach in the gym, uh, more individualized movements and programs. And then we started digging into the mindset stuff and starting to help people realign things. And next thing you know, like people are telling us about their impending divorce before they tell their kids. You know? And it's like, there's something here. And we had an individual on the podcast, our gym's podcast a couple of years ago. And at the end of it, I was, you know, he was all about language and how the words we use can shape our reality. And at the end of it, I was like, hey, what's this in lifted thing? It's like, oh, it's our coach education program. Uh, let's jump on a call after the podcast. And here we are uh, 18 months later, and I am deeply immersed in the more holistic side of fixing and helping men, especially do I have some women clients and helping men, especially realign the stories between their ears so that they can take control of their life. Because what I learned in seven and a half years of running a gym is that while most people think they want to be fit, what they really want is how they want to feel how they think fit people feel. So that's the, the super short version. Oh, that's, that's super great. And uh, just to kind of take things back where you were talking a little bit about the Navy, were there any skills that you think you took away from the Navy that you found uh, very beneficial with you? Or would you consider those four years as a little bit like wasted during that time period in the military? I, I love to great, phenomenal question. And 
I like to steal my uncle's quote here about his time in the Air Force. It was the best, worst decision I ever made. Uh, those four years are invaluable as far as life experience and perspective. Uh, being on the other side of the world and seeing you know, dock workers that are working 18-hour days and completely copacetic with life. You know, it's, there are, even being in the, the military and realizing that I had it better growing up than I thought I did. Because like I lived in a decent neighborhood and we grew up in the same area. There was some big money like 20 minutes away. You know, so when when South Barrington's over here with these eight thousand square foot houses, you know, twenty five, twenty six hundred square feet, you're like, oh, okay, you know, cool. My dad's an airline pilot. It was normal to me that I got to go down to my grandparents' place in St. Croix and vacation every other year. And I showed one of my buddies on the ship a picture of the house I grew up in. And he goes, dude, your garage is as big as my house. <laughs> okay. It gave me an appreciation for what I had and a perspective that uh, if you show up and do what you're supposed to do in life, you are going to end up ahead of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I also had the same realization. I didn't appreciate how luckily we were to have the, the neighborhood we had, the high school we had, uh, the safety we had um, until I left the U.S. and went elsewhere. And uh, you really, really appreciate that. Um, speaking a little bit about your transformation, I actually remember following you from high school and after high school, and I was curious about your personal transformation to becoming so physically fit. It seemed that you kind of all of a sudden, something had switched off inside of you and you really, really kind of blew up physically. Was there any kind of mental, uh, preparation or switch or what caused this kind of inspiration to become so physically fit? That's a, that's a cool question and one that I have yet to noodle on that specifically. So this will be organic flow here. Um, the, the catalyst was definitely when I was younger. Like it was always a habit I had. Uh, one of the inspirations was, okay, I want to go be a Navy SEAL. Let's, you know, from my parents' driveway to Lifetime Fitness, it was two miles exactly, driveway to door. So I would run there. I'd sometimes make the run a little longer. I would swim. I would run home, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. And then I found CrossFit. And it's just, it's this constant evolution. It's hard to say whether there was a, this one spot where it's like, oh, I'm going to go be really, really fit. It's, uh, it's like, you know, if you get more financially literate, sooner or later, you build seven-figure portfolio. And it's the same thing with fitness. Like, you know, you start off lifting weights, you eat a little healthier. You know, and there's a picture of me from when I was in the Navy that like compared to where I am now, like I have a little bit of extra like fluff around my midsection, still one of the more fit guys on the ship. And it's this, it's a slow burn with this stuff. And I love that you asked that question because so many people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to start and then I'll be super, super fit. And it's like, well, if you're better off than you were a year ago, cool. And then find the next, what I did without realizing it. And that's what I do have my clients do now is I find the easiest change to make that will affect the biggest result. So if that's drinking more water, cool. If it's cutting alcohol down or completely out, cool. And it's just one of those after the other. And then next thing you know, you're 33 in the best shape of your life with zero aches and pains. 
That's great. I actually can relate to that regarding personal finance. I was kind of really researching this six years ago and uh, reading a lot about it, making small steps. And within, you know, at the time, it didn't seem like I was doing anything important. But over the years, all of a sudden, now I'm like, whoa, you know, I accrued this, or now I have this investment plan, or I have this retirement plan that started with small little changes and they kind of accrued and compounded on itself. So I think that's a pretty interesting mindset to apply towards physical fitness, because I also have this mindset where it's like January 1st hits and I'm like, man, I'm going to look like the guy in 300 by the end of this you know, year. And then two weeks later, all of a sudden it's like the motivation level drops. And, you know, once again, I'm in this, in this, in the same routine of, oh, okay, well, I missed this workout or I missed that. Oh, no, everything went to shit. Um, I'm wondering, I'm assuming actually that you have a lot of uh, clients uh, in the gym who have the same mindset. How do you work with them to making sure that, you know, that this becomes more of a lifestyle, more of a routine and that they don't get discouraged? I'll share how I did it before and how I do it now. Uh, how I did it before is I would like, I would give them things to do. I would say, here, here's this habit. Here's, here's eat. Hey, eat more protein. If you, if you focus your meals on protein, your intake will get better. Hey, drink more water. If you drink half your body weight in ounces of water, half your body weight in pounds of ounces in ounces of water, you'll, you'll end up in better shape. Hey, sleep more. And what I started realizing was, that while these people wanted to do these things, they wanted to be that person. They had somebody in their head saying, you're not that person. Now, if somebody's 280 pounds and they've been trying to get down to 220 for the last seven years, it is not for lack of wanting it or lack of knowledge. Like all this stuff, especially if the internet, with the internet, it's available on Google and YouTube. It's because they have this imposter in their head, this inner critic, this evil you know, uh, roommate that says, no, that's not you. And here's why it's not you. When you were a kid, this happened. When you tried before, you failed. So don't even think about it. You know, you, you, uh, you're not where you are professionally. So how dare you think you can be here? And a, a lot of guys, they write it off as trying to be there for other people and fail to see or are blind to or naive to the fact the best way to show up for others is to show up for yourself first. Because if you're not showing up for yourself, you're going to have this noise in the back of your head rattling around the whole time that you're attempting to be present for others. And this presence that you're going to be given to others is going to be where you find your fulfillment. And when you are basing your fulfillment on whether or not you can be present for others, then it's all going to be reliant on whether or not you affected like a happy mood for them or if you did it well. Mm -hmm. And that's, you got to find your fulfillment from within. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you discussed a little bit about that the, the, the mental side is a really big component of this. And I wanted to kind of delve a little bit more into kind of what you really focus on. And that seems to be stories and language. Can you kind of dive into a little bit about how you apply this with your clients? I'd love to. Do you know the origin of abracadabra? I do not. It comes from the ancient Aramaic for with my word I create or I create as I speak. Merriam-Webster definition of a spell, a word or combination of words thought to hold great meaning. Our words influence our reality. Uh, they influence our perception, our actions, our beliefs. So 
it, it starts with the language and the words we use. The words we use are often based in the stories we tell ourselves. And so many guys are out there, you know, tough it out. Uh, it's not manly to cry. This like, and, and they're trying to move past events instead of moving through them. And the only way to get, get past something is to go through it. Otherwise, you're going to go past it. You're going to snag it. And it's going to be dragging behind you, creating all kinds of noise. So what I do with my guys is, one, create an awareness around words and breath. And we can, we can deep dive into how breath just completely is all foobar these days. Um, the words, though, there are certain words in our, in our lexicon that can uh, delve us deep into the victim mentality. And the victim mentality is defined as a state in which an individual defines themselves or sees themselves as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And it depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. It needs to be fed. Like it needs habits and attributions that continue it going. The thing is, is the victim mentality is addictive as crack cocaine. So we, we get rid of words like negations, like, oh, I don't want to gain the weight back. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to let my life, life down. And we focus on, okay, I do want to be this weight. I will you know, be a great husband. I am doing this. Whenever we speak in negations, our, our brain doesn't hear the negation. Uh, have you heard of the reticular activating system? I have not. So do you drive right now? Do you have a car where you are? Uh, if you count from my electric scooter, then uh, no, I don't. <laughs> cool. uh, what, when was, what was the last car you owned? An Acura. Oh, my gosh. RSX. Cool. When you had that RSX, uh, did you all of a sudden notice all the all other RSX on the road? Absolutely. I still do. <laughs> yeah. That, that's your reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you say, I don't want to be late, your brain is going to look for all the things that could pop up to make you late. Mm-hmm. If you say, I hate my job, you're going to find reasons to hate your job. <laughs> you say Mondays suck, you're going to see reasons that Mondays suck. So speaking more in the affirmative, and this is the, the science behind uh, this, the neuroscience behind affirmations. I am happy. I am healthy. Uh, you, will, you will find reasons to take action on those pieces. So the, the negations, the affirmations are big. Also mm-hmm. soft talk. Think about the flakiest person you know. Oh, I might probably try to make it. I might try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and what does that do? Like if we're setting goals, like, uh, what's like a, do you have like a goal you have for 2022? I absolutely do have a goal for 2022. I want to start stand up comedy. Cool. Put a, put a kind of anywhere in that sentence. Uh, Well, I kind of maybe want to start stand up comedy. I'm not sure. I'm going to think about it. (laughs) Beautiful. See, so you just loaded it with soft talk. What happens to that there? Yeah, it it, it, make, it gives you an excuse to to not do it, right? It gives you an avenue out saying, oh, well, I didn't say I'm going to do it. I didn't make it, you know, a statement. I'm saying, oh, well, maybe, you know. Yep. And, and it, it, people are doing this to themselves left and right without even realizing it because it's this defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're so stuck where we want to be. We think we're comfortable when really like over here would be more comfortable. It just takes some messy action to get there. 
And they're like, no, I, I might do that sometime, maybe. You know, so when we, when we can cut that soft talk out and make it solid, life gets a lot more clear. And I'll, I'll give you and the, the listeners a fun one. Uh, it's the soft talk challenge. Mm-hmm. Take soft talk keywords. So uh, probably, might, maybe, uh, kind of, sort of, like, any soft talk you can think of and write it big, like five times bigger than you would write it and stick that sheet of paper somewhere where you constantly see it because it will bring it to the front of your awareness with your reticular activating system. And then you will hear it when you start to say it. And there may be a couple of days there where you, you hear it and you kind of trip over your words because you're trying to stop it. And after you get past that point of feeling like you're tongue tied, it'll start getting just cut out of you lexicon and you're like oh cool now I, f- I feel more solid about the things i'm doing in life mm-hmm. it's 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 quite literally magic yeah and i, I was i, I, if I, I was may, thinking i was uh, thinking sorry to cut you off i was thinking when uh, i was thinking how i need i would need a punishment anytime i would say these kind of words and i was thinking like a chase tolson just kind of standing over in you and saying is that soft talk bitch I think that would be <laughs> that would be very helpful, but this big sign challenge would also be a, a much more, I guess, uh, feasible and possible way of doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, for uh, I've had uh, Chase Tollison as an alarm clock request and start off nice and then go to me and yell at people, get out of bed. <laughs> uh, the last language pattern is the one that burns bridges. Last victim mentality language pattern, and it's projections. It's they made me so angry. Mm. Mm, that's a choice. Like, by and large, you make you angry. No. And then when we turn that back, oh, okay, why did I make me angry? And instead of why, ask how did I make me angry? And this is the hardest one to stomach. It's the hardest one to wrap our minds around. It's the hardest one to recognize is these projections. You know, when you're getting in an argument with a friend or a significant other, and your breath gets all up and trapped in your chest. And you are so convinced you're right because of self-justification and cognitive dissonance that you're like, no, they said that. And that made me angry. And I had no control over it. You know, and it's, it's a quick road to not thinking that you have zero control over your life. So switching the projections to the reflections, those are the three big language shifts that we go through. Uh, there's pressure language like have, need, should. Uh, a lot of people should all over themselves. <laughs> these are really interesting, small. Like I think what we were talking about earlier, how these are seems like small little things, but I think they, when they're compounded over time, can have a huge impact. Is that what you're seeing as well? 100%. 100%. Uh, when we take the awareness around our language, and then we combine it with working our stories. It is massive. I have, I have personally humble brag. Um, I've personally had clients fire their therapist after one session with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen an individual after a 90 minute session with another coach say that was more effective than 20 years of therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because would you like to hear how the system works? I would, I would love to. Uh, so what we do is we'll start surface level and I, I love 
this analogy because it goes deep or this story because it goes deep and not too deep. Um, there are, you can find some really heavy stuff from people's past playing around in this system. That being said, I had a client at the gym and she was snacking a lot at night. She's like, hey, I want to do a, a chase mindset session to figure out my snacking. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And we start in on the, I eat chocolate at night because, you know, okay, cool. What, what feeling do you come, comes up? Well, anxious. I, I usually, you know, I eat it because like I'm feeling anxious at night. Okay, cool. What, what feeling comes up with that? And the way that we work the story is we title it and we write it out because so many people leave it in their head where they can twist it up. When you write it out, you see your words and then you read it out loud and then you check in what feeling comes up, what memories are tied to that feeling. And then you go back in and you read it back slower. You feel like you have your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. You're reading so slow. And you check in again. What was the difference? Is there more awareness around it? A lot of times that second read, people see it more. They're back in it because the first read, they'll bypass it by reading super fast. And then that third read, step four, you at every comma, every period, and sometimes the ands, you take a giant deep breath, belly breath, volume on the inhale, length on the exhale. And what that does, it creates separation. It's a pattern interruption. Uh, I think it's EFT technique. They do tapping with, with this system. The pattern interrupt is the breath. And it also downregulates us. So it takes you from this victim mentality of everything is everybody else's fault and this person to seeing every side of the story. And then there's a memory there, that feeling, hey, when's the earliest time we can remember feeling that? And in this particular instance, when my client at the gym was snacking at night, the earliest time she could tie it to was cheerleading, seventh grade, being pressured by her mother to eat a certain way, to have a certain body type, to make the cheerleading team. And we work that story with the same four-step system. And then we go in and we find uh, either an awareness she had after the story or a certain, this is a fun piece, is a linchpin sentence, one that was super emotional reading it, and we pull it out. And we read it again. And then we switch a word and read it again. We switch a word. And after like, switching words multiple times, you have an affirmation that was crafted uniquely out of a sentence that used to string you up and send you into this super emotional state. So as opposed to like having, I am happy written on your wall because you want to be happy, you have this unique affirmation crafted from a story that used to wreak havoc on your life. And you have that put on your bathroom here. Three parts of system. I like it. I like it. And when we're talking about stories, you keep mentioning stories, stories. Are these mental ideas that we have in our head? Or can you tell me a little bit more what you mean when you're talking about stories? Thank you. Yes, mental ideas. Uh, when we work stories, we're working specific instances. Um, I was 10 and my mom tried to stab me. Uh, my parents died when I was 15 and I lived with my older brother. Uh, I was hit by a ball and T-ball when I was eight years old. And now I'm scared of following through on things. And all, 
and, and you write the specific story with as much detail as possible. Because while that might not be the story that's in the front of your awareness, if it comes up and it's tied to that feeling, it's still anchored in your, in your brain, in your system, in your, and wreaking havoc on your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Okay. I appreciate that. And so when you are creating or working with clients and we're talking about the mental and physical side, what all comes with, uh, with everything you work on? Uh, are you setting also doing goal setting? Are you also creating uh, diet plans? Are you also creating physical workouts? Can you, if, can you tell me a little bit how that works uh, for an individual client? Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I love your questions. And uh, I've come to realize that the mental and the physical, they're, they're so tied together. I've taken on clients for the, the just working the stories and they're eating McDonald's and not moving. And the story stuff doesn't move as much because if we're moving energy in a sense, we need the, the conduit for the energy nice and clear, which is our body. And on the, on the flip side, I've taken on only physical clients, I've taken on a lot of those through the years before I found this system. And if the, if the identity isn't aligned, it gets gummy. So yes, uh, lifestyle, I tend to stay away from, hey, here's a diet. I, I'll help people figure out what's good for them to eat. More often, it is here are the big guidelines that you can carry with you through any, any eating practice. So you know, if you want to do keto, if you want to do carnivore, if you want to do this or that, or you just want to eat a whole food diet, these guidelines will carry you through there. And at the the base level, it's super simple. Mm. Eat enough protein, drink enough water and eat single ingredient foods. Mm. Uh, And you can get fancy if you want to, if you stick to those tenants, you're going to be good. Mm. Uh, In my signature 12 week program, uh, the primal man pathway, it, it is, it's centered around physical fitness and intake. You know, so my three pillars are movement, intake, and identity. Uh, what we've been talking about so far is a lot of the identity creation. The movement, there's 12 weeks of workouts and they're full body resistance training, um, nothing fancy. Uh, I like kettlebells. I like steel maces. Uh, the basics work. They, they had fitness, the movement piece right in the 90s. Lift some weights and go for a walk. It works. It's just people, people start to say it's boring. And the thing of it is, when you align the identity with it, it becomes much less boring. Uh, so there's that. There, the movement is laid out for everybody. There's videos of you know, demo videos and explanations and different work- workouts every two weeks to keep it fresh. The, the intake is based around food, what we eat, how we eat it. Chew your food. Breathe during mealtime. Put your screens away. And then there, if we do touch on uh, screen time in the morning and at night and uh, sleep habits because sleep is massive. The identity, uh, what we've been talking on so far is the magic of words and how that'll shape in our stories. We go into also journaling. Uh, we do some, they, it, the one-on-one sessions with me, everybody gets goal setting. The cool thing about goal setting is if you write a goal down, 30-year study out of Harvard, if you write a goal down, you are 10,000% more likely to achieve it. 
And that's a 30-year study out of Harvard. If you take a bar napkin and scribble down, in 2022, I will you know, grow my stand-up comedy practice. 10,000% more likely to achieve it. Uh, you want to throw some extra spice on that, you create a plan. Okay, I'm going to get exposure this way. I'm going to you know, approach these venues. I'm going to do this many gigs. Cool. Now there's a, a third side to that pyramid, and that's the identity. Because often people lay that target down. Yeah, that sounds cool. And then we build out the plan. And for a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, that one seems tough. Well, why does it seem tough? Well, it reminds me of that time when I tried this and I failed. Okay, cool. And that's when we, we come full circle back to the identity and we find another story. Because a lot of people have a lot more stories in their head, banging around, making noise than they realize. They... Our stories shape our beliefs, which shape our actions, which creates our reality. So work that base level, everything else falls into place. So that's how the goal setting works. And also uh, basic things like breath awareness and owning your wins. Because once we clear the stuck, once we get those stories out of the way, we can start to see our wins. We can start to own our power and truly step into that. Because so many people and Women and men, especially as of late, have been told, oh, don't be, you know, don't brag, don't be egotistical, don't be narcissistic, you know, stay humble. And it's created this, this story of like, well, yeah, hey, dude, you did a really good job on that. Yeah, thanks. But hey, you did a great job on that. Yeah, well, it was really all them. Well, I got lucky. You know, how, the, the ability to get a compliment and say, thank you. And leave it at that and own it and believe that compliment is a lost art. So mm -hmm. dig into that too. And that, that all of that uh, gets bundled together in a nice streamlined package that they get a new module every two weeks and one-on-one uh, -on -one time with me to ensure that everything's sticking. That's great. And I'm look, a little bit curious about your personal journey and your personal routine. I know you take diets and working out very seriously. How can you tell me, walk me a little bit through your weekly uh, routine, how you go about your day, meal prep, uh, anything, anything along those lines? Yeah, I'd love to. So Sunday, we wake up early, go grocery shopping. Uh, we do have a quarter cow in the basement. So our ground beef for our meal prep comes from that. Uh, typically, we wake up early on Sunday, go grocery shopping and pick up stuff for meal prep. Uh, we do raw veggies throughout the week. For me personally, cooked vegetables in my digestive system, uh, raw veggies agree better. So uh, we'll get veggies, chop those up. They stay in the fridge. Um, we get bison and cook that up. And we get potatoes, dice them, cook them. And then that gets thrown in a skillet and reheated for breakfast each day. I've moved away from a microwave. It's a great tool. Uh, if you really start digging into things like they tell cancer patients not to use a microwave. So why would you use it in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't wait until the cancer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's still a couple times a week where I'm in a crunch and I'll throw something in the microwave. It's, it's one of those things. If you go way down the rabbit hole, cool. I I'm still going to enjoy some of my modern amenities. Um, so we spend Monday meal prepping and prepping for the week. I work out four to five times a week, resistance training, usually four times a week. 
and I aim to get to uh, jujitsu and kickboxing once or twice a week. So my resistance training workouts will be first thing in, in the morning. I wake up and now instead of going to the gym starting Monday, I'll go down to my basement and work out, cool down, and I aim to have my phone put away through my whole workout. Uh, buy an alarm clock. They're like 15 bucks on Amazon. And that way, when you roll over, you're not scrolling Instagram right away. Because when you get that dopamine hit first thing in the morning, how driven are you to be productive otherwise? When, oh, I, I could look to do this hard thing for work that'll bring me more reward later. Or I could scroll TikTok and this algorithm will give me stuff built for me. So I, I leave my phone away for the first couple hours of the morning. I work out four or five days a week, first thing in the morning. And then I go to work. Uh, I'll eat breakfast, spend some time with my wife. And then I'm up here in my office, uh, client calls, podcasts, creating content. And I do it in a way that it feels natural to me. When I try and force things, uh, and, and so many people are going through life trying to force uh you know, a, a round peg into a square hole or vice versa. And it's, it, it's a quick way to burn out. So do that. Uh, I eat one to two lunches throughout the day, depending on time and resources. And that lunch will have been prepped on the weekend as well. Usually ground beef and these days, chickpea noodles. Um, and that same thing, when I reheat my meals, I put some grass fed butter into a skillet, put the ground meat in there, put the carb in there, heat it up raw veggies with it. Boom. And then from there, dinners, those we cook fresh. We have a delivery service for a monthly fish box. We have a quarter cow in the basement. So either usually red meat or a fish, sometimes chicken. And when you when you're cooking 90% of your meals, staying fit and mentally acute and healthy gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's that. And then I aim to get seven hours of sleep or more per night on good days. I'll get eight plus. And in today's world, if you're trying to work out and run a business and be present for family, I like to say sleep as much as you can without getting fired or divorced. <laughs> and so seven hours is about that on days that I'm working out. Uh, rest days, I can take another half an hour to an hour. And recent addition, as of this morning, I got a a tub for ice baths, put it on my back patio and on rest days. And I will be moving to making it my pre-workout practice as well. I jump out there. So that was fun. It was 20 feels like eight out. And I got into a tub that the top of it was frozen and I had to break it open with a hammer. So that's what I like to see. I actually saw that photo right before when I was trying to message you, I saw it pop up uh, and that looks super cool. What I just got into this year and the Slavics over here, they do it right. They have, uh, it's called Morsovania in Polish, but basically it's like our polar plunge, right? And every weekend I go to this lake and it's frozen over and they had take a hammer and they find a little hole in it. And then you go in between, I usually do about eight minutes now and uh, you go in the first minute is the most brutal minute of your life, but you leave and you feel so great. And there's tons of people doing it. And 
I don't know. You just, it, it, you just feel so alert. You feel so alive. You feel really good. It supposedly has a really good health benefits for your immune system. Um, and I've really gotten addicted to it. I used to hate the cold. I hated the cold more than anything growing up in Chicago wintertime. I was miserable, but when you spend eight minutes in the coldest water, uh, and the coldest you you could possibly, you cannot be any colder. This is not possible because you're just numb. Um, the winters aren't so brutal anymore because you've already experienced the coldest you'll possibly be and everything relative to that is okay. So I'm a huge proponent within the last year of, of doing these ice baths, um, especially, especially when they're partnered with, um, with saunas. Oh my gosh. This is like my, uh, calm down. My, my, my rejuvenation on the weekends is sauna rounds with ice baths. Like feel great. I love that. My, uh, my aunt's place in Michigan, we were up there last November and she has a sauna in the basement. They're on a big lake and get a sauna run down, get in the, get in the lake. Uh, you know, Wim Hof, I'd imagine you've been exposed to that name doing the, I was at a seminar over the weekend with a level three Wim Hof instructor. This guy was, he was one of the first 25 people Wim trained at his first seminar ever. So he, this Brandon Powell has hiked mountains with Wim. He's, you know, cold plunge with Wim and seeing him. He's like, he told a story. He's like, Wim's always got to one up people. So a bunch of us high level instructors were out there with him one day and we're about to get in the lake and he turns around, drops trow and all his glory and just gets in in the nude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Awesome. Yeah. He's great. He, he did actually some of his training out here in Poland in the Polish mountains. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely would like to do some of the, those courses on, on his breath work and that he has available um, because it seems like a cool Avenue to take. And um, yeah, we, I also had this mentality of like one upping. We were, uh, we were doing this polar plunge in the Baltic sea and we were doing 12 minute sessions in the cold water. And I was like, let's keep doing it longer. Let's keep doing it longer. Let's see how far we go. And then all of a sudden I realized they're like, dude, you can just die out here. You know, you can't just be sitting <laughs> in the lake in the middle of January. Like you literally will die, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's so cool. And I've never, I'm, when I was trying to tell my little brother to come with me in Chicago, uh, he's like, no, you're nuts. We're not going to do this. And when I, I was like, let's go to Lake Michigan, the conditions there were insane. It was like icy icebergs. Like it was 99.9% chance I would have died. Um, but I definitely want, uh, to get, get him exposed and other people because there's this mental, I don't know. People just are fearing the cold water and they hate the cold water. And it's like, but once you do it once, it's just so addicting because you're like, I have really have nothing to fear with this. It makes me feel so good afterwards. Same with like cold showers in the morning. When I take a cold shower in the morning, I am like more alert than drinking coffee or anything else I could possibly do in the morning. hundred percent. And, uh, Brandon Powell threw in uh, Tai Chi after it's like, here's a warming practice. And you go through some aggressive, fast breathing Tai Chi mm-hmm. after the breath and that, or after the, uh, ice and that's so money. Dude, 12 yeah. minutes is gangster, by the way, like good yeah. for you. <laughs> You couldn't, you, it was really hard to like walk out of the water though. Like your legs were like jello. It was just like, oh yes. my gosh. But uh, it's, it's amazing. And if there's like this, there's a huge, this is becoming really popular out here now. So the, the lakes are like packed with people on the weekends now doing this, this Morsevania. It's really crazy. And uh, I, I love it. I love it. It's like, uh, it's what I look forward to on the weekends. So, um, cool. but I, I wanted to, uh, ask you two questions uh regarding diet the first one i wanted to ask you uh, i see you have a lot of beef have you ever explored or um, experimented with going vegetarian or do you have anything against vegetarian diets 
I've never explored it like for myself uh, to say I have anything against it. Uh, that would be strong. I am a strong advocate for uh, protein from a source that was originally protein mm -hmm. and vegetarian diets like, okay, well look at these, you know, this is really high in protein. Okay, cool. It has more carbs in it. Mm -hmm. You have to get so many calories in to hit your protein goals. You know, if you're, you're trying to build lean muscle mass or lose weight like a, a gram of protein per goal body weight is is like baseline mm -hmm. and then you can go from there to 1.1 1.2 grams of protein and especially if you're trying to lose weight it gets really 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 hard to get enough protein in to have a the a lean body composition and get there mm -hmm. uh, without hit without going way over on your calories mm -hmm. And a lot of our vegetables these days are, at least in the U.S., you know, uh, filled with so much junk and not really the food that they used to be. So you know, if you're going to go full vegetarian and eat organic produce and cool, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of vegetarians out there eating you know, fake cheese out of a can and, and you know, crackers that you know, enrich wheat flour is the first thing. So... If you're going to go vegetarian, find high protein sources. I've had numerous uh, vegetarians message me like, hey, what do I do about protein? Eat, eat a steak. <laughs> and I don't say that to them. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like it, it's pick, pick your battles. And if it's an ethics thing, like I fully support that. Everybody makes their own choices. If it's a health thing, I would invite you to read, you know, both sides of the literature uh, and make your own choice because uh, I touched on cognitive dissonance and self-justification earlier. And if you believe that vegetarian is the healthiest way because of, you know, a Netflix documentary or whatever, it is going to burn into your brain. You're going to see all the reasons that it, that it is the healthiest way. Mm -hmm. Find contradicting papers, read those, and then see how you feel. Absolutely, that's uh, sound advice, I guess, for any any kind of diets, right, or or uh, physical fitness um, uh, literature as well. I, I was asking this because I experimented one month uh, not eating meat. Usually, on in March, I'll do like a meatless March, and I did feel much uh, more energized and less lethargic. I felt very light. Um, and, uh, I had a friend the reason why I tried, it, I had a friend who tried it for Lent and he liked it so much that he continued doing it. And so I, I ended up trying it just for one month as well. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't trying to put weight on or anything like that. So I was just kind of curious. Cause I, I know you mentioned a lot of, of beef and other kind of, uh, and bison and meat. So I was just curious if you've ever had explored that route and also seen, uh, yourself kind of sustain the muscle development and your physical uh, body type. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've noticed with my clients, uh, the lethargy and, and slowness will go away when they seek out higher quality meats too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it, it gets, it gets pricey. And when you can find grass fed, grass finished, you know, wild caught fish, uh, yes, there will still be a higher load on your gut to digest it. And it will slow you down a little bit, especially in quantity and the higher, the higher quality stuff often, leaves you with more energy because your body, that's the stuff your body wants to work with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
The second uh, question I had regarding diet, and I'm kind of uh, a little bit interested on this uh, because maybe it kind of goes against what society kind of pressures and instills in us and it becomes routine before you know it's routine, and that's alcohol consumption. I'm kind of uh, curious on how you view alcohol consumption and um, how you, how, yeah, how you, how you incorporate that into your routine. Hmm. Alcohol is a socially accepted poison, mm-hmm. uh, plain and simple. And when your liver, especially if you're, if you are aiming for fitness, if you have body composition goals, when your liver is digesting alcohol, I w- I'm going to quote this wrong. I do not remember the exact, and it's like 24 or 48 hours that your liver has the inability to fully metabolize fat. So if you have body composition goals, you're doing yourself a disservice every drink you have. If you have longevity, uh, emotional intelligence goals, uh, professional goals, alcohol affects sleep. It affects emotional IQ. And oftentimes it takes you back to like with my brother dying recently, I've watched a lot of people like, well, I'm just going to drink. And then after six, seven, eight, 12 drinks, they're sad again. It, it, it takes our ability to process things away too. So I, I enjoy a good bourbon. I barely ever drink personally. It's one of the easiest, easiest things we can do, especially in modern society, like you said, where it's one of those things that's normal. It is one of the easiest things we can do to increase our fitness and our wellness is to cut alcohol down or completely out. I myself am a bigger proponent of plant medicine. It, I, if I'm going to an event, I will eat a half gram to a gram of mushrooms and be just as social and just as happy and sleep like a baby and maybe even have some like esoteric philosophical realizations while I'm at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like the alcohol conversation tends to degrade in my experience around midnight or 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And people start talking in circles and they think they're having these awesome conversations. And it's like, and you're sitting on the outside of the circle and you're like, oh, I'm going to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I'm interested in this because it became such a routine, you know, especially after college. And then at one point I was like, I need to take one month off. And when I had done this 30 day challenge of not drinking uh, the mental clarity, the benefits, I mean, mentally, I felt so good. I'm actually doing another 30 day uh, February, not drinking at all. And it's so good that I, you, I, by the third week, I'm just like, there's really no point of going back. Like, it's like, you're, you're not even a, like, there's no desire for it. Like once you pass a couple of weeks, you're like, Oh, that was the, the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> so I, I know this is kind of like a tough Thing for some people to accept because it's so socially accepted, you know, have a glass of wine here or go out for drinks here. But for me, it's so, it's so funny because it's like, when you start drinking, it's like, you're like, well, you're either going to have another beverage or you're going to be tired and want to fall asleep. Right. And the next day you feel this like fogginess and haze in your mind. And if you do have any goals or ambitious, or you want to do anything, it's super hard to get motivated to get after anything, you know? Yep. And fun fact about that being tired and falling asleep. And for anybody out there that wants to learn about sleep or how alcohol affects your sleep, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Phenomenal book. Uh, He talks about it in there. When you have a drink to go to sleep, like, I need a drink to go to sleep. You are not sleeping. Brainwave function, you're not sleeping. You're sedated. 
So if you're somebody who like has two or three drinks every night to go to sleep, you are actually raising your risk of early onset Alzheimer's because more and more Alzheimer's is seen to be type type three diabetes of the brain. And the plaque that forms up and creates Alzheimer's is broken down during good sleep cycles. That's why uh, Ronald Reagan, and there was a, a woman in that era too, they were both famous, like, I don't need sleep. I can go without it. Well, we know, we know where Mr. Reagan's brain ended up, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. So last week I was actually uh, back in the States and uh, I was working on Europe time zone, which meant I was waking up at like 1 a.m., to work i couldn't i barely slept like two hours a night and i would have this mindset i'm like oh that's fine i'll push through it i'll be all right like sleep is for the week um i've been recently reading a book called essentialism and they're basically saying if you have this mentality you are wrong and i was proven wrong i was flying out to europe and i was at the gate i had already checked in waiting for the flight i was dozing in and out of sleep watching the plane the plane gets loaded and the plane starts backing up. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Why is it leaving? I go up to the lady. I said, is this plane flying out today? She goes, the plane just left. It just completely was mentally just so foggy, right? And I was like, okay, this was the biggest like the sign and lesson for me that sleep is super, super critical in order for like brain functioning or to, I couldn't have, I couldn't have had a bigger mental lapse than that. And uh, so it was a powerful lesson learned on, on sleep. So I definitely, uh, I definitely try to protect and safeguard my sleep now. Um, but the next thing I wanted to discuss with you, um, and it seems that kind of, this is where your focus is, is, uh, it's kind of working with men. And, um, so I, am actually also a middle school teacher and I work with adolescents and it's really interesting seeing them during their teenage, early teenage, 13, 14, 15 years old, as they're kind of transforming from children into adults, they are starting to really, uh, especially the men are, are, are trying to really figure out how to be adults and the men are trying to figure out how to be men. Right. And they're, and they're testing different ways and they're trying to, you know, explore and, and identify the different teachers, especially there's not that many male teachers, but they're trying to find out how to be men. So let's kind of go a little bit into your work with, with masculinity and working with men. So Starting with that, kind of what what made you, what inspired you to 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 kind of follow this 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 path? Between the Navy, uh, running the gym, and some of my friends through the years, I see guys who are misaligned and had heart and mission. They they've they've checked the boxes, they've done the things, and they're just not happy. They see you know, they're they're going through they. They got the job, they got the house, they got the wife, and they're always bitching and complaining and they're about everything and not looking for solutions because while I'm doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing, so I should be happy. And like my parents always bitched about this stuff. So like, it's just normal, right? Life's a bitch and then you die. (laughs) And, you know, when we were talking about uh, cold plunge, there are no rites of passage anymore. So there's nothing to test your metal. So I love that cold plunge is coming up as a thing because it's a way to intentionally seek an extreme and test yourself. And on that note, so many guys don't have this rite of passage. So then they, they 
carry their their childhood persona and their their childhood stories up into their adult years. Mm-hmm. And there's little development of like who they actually are meant to be. One of my f- least favorite, favorite questions, because it, it, it hits me in the heart every time I see the reaction that I know is coming and it works. The guy is considering working with me or considering taking steps in his future for himself. I'll ask him, do you know who you're supposed to be? Like who you were put here and meant to be, not who you've been told to be. And I've seen it numerous times. Gloss up, a couple guys will like actually get a tear welling up. No, I don't. Because they've left their identity to the forces that be and hoped that it would just all work out someday. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, to explore this more, when this when you talk about this question of who you're supposed to be, is this would you align this, or is this uh, similar to kind of having a sense of purpose or mission, or is this a little bit different? Yeah, a sense of purpose or mission, and a recognition that that can be fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, I liken it to like climbing a mountain. And you may think you're going to this peak, and that's the tallest peak. And then you get to that peak, and you're like, oh, hey, look, there's a valley here, and then I could go higher. You know, like being on a ski lift in Colorado for the first time after skiing Alpine Valley growing up. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's not the top. Oh, that's not the top. Oh, that's not the top. Uh, and, and knowing that there is a constant evolution. Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? I am not. So he pioneered uh, the recognition of the hero's journey, that it is a thing in mythology and story in all years past. Okay. I, I actually, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call to action, seeking the mentor, the, the abyss, the dark night, the soul and coming up. And by and large, men have strayed away from even having one hero's journey. Mm. Well, I'm here. I'm up here. And they they get this call to action and they refuse the call. They get the call to action. They refuse the call. They stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. And then guys that do go through one hero's journey, they're like, well, that was uncomfortable as shit. (laughs) But I I got some stuff done. So I'm going to stay here. And life is a constant evolution of hero's journeys. Who's my next mentor? Who's my next guide? Where's my next abyss that I'm going to learn all this really cool shit? Okay, cool. I'm going to come out the top. This is comfortable for like a minute. And then as sooner or later, my goal is to create a bunch of resilient dudes that seek this out, that thrive off of finding a guide who, who knows more than that, who's been through more than that, who can take them through this abyss and help them grow and then shed that guide and go. That's, that's what lights me up. I have guys who I, I've been done working with them for six, eight, 12 months and they'll post on Instagram and so they'll be like, I'm doing this because working with Chase and the Primal Man Pathway. Uh, it's, that's the goal as a coach is to be that supernatural guide, that mentor that, here, we're going to go for 12 weeks. We're going to teach you some stuff. And then you're off. Go find your next guide because it's a constant evolution. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said there. And it kind of reminds me of starting my uh online business because it was <laughs> that whole cycle the the uncomfort 
the questioning. It was really, really uncomfortable. But then when it worked out eventually after like a long time, I mean, I was about to give up and I was like, is this really worth it? Found another mentor who told me, Hey, you're onto something Just try a different path. Eventually after a year, uh, you know, started getting some traction and started working, but then it felt comfortable and I felt, Oh, okay. This is, <laughs> this is okay. Good. And then, like you said, it's on to the next thing. Right. So I, I'm kind of curious, what do you recommend or when you're working with someone who's like playing small, how, how do you recommend that they, that they, you know, take bigger goals or take action on what they want to do? Give yourself permission and figure out first why you have yet to give yourself permission. There's something in your head holding you back and address that story. And in the manner that we spoke on earlier, that needs to be addressed because if you can fight forward with that chip on your shoulder for a while, and some people manage the, the majority of people who try and just fight forward while they still got that noise in the back of their head, they stumble back down. Mm-hmm. So address the reason why you have yet to give yourself permission and look at that reason and ask yourself, would you talk to your best friend or your son that way? Likely not. So why are you talking to yourself that way? Mm-hmm. And if you come up with a reason, address that reason why you've been talking to yourself that way. If there's really no good reason, start to flip it. Be your own advocate. And there will be resistance at first. There will be this like, oh, this feels silly. This doesn't feel true. And then we go back to the reticular activating system. You have to reprogram it and get the reps in. and then. It starts to feel true. Then you see all these reasons that you have opportunities because so many in playing small guys are out there seeing roadblocks instead of opportunities. And it is not the level of opportunity that separates successful from the unsuccessful in life. It is the awareness of the opportunity and the swiftness and the caliber of action taken. So get your, yeah, shift your lens lens to the awareness of the opportunity. That's great. And one of my favorite books I read regarding this is the way the, the warrior man or superior man, sorry, the way the superior man. And I really enjoyed that book. Uh, And one of the main takeaways was kind of having a clear purpose in life, kind of having a mission saying that, you know, as a man, you have a clear mission in life. And that is, uh, what your main objective should be in life. And so it, when you have clients or you work with people who may feel like they're drifting, like they don't have a clear purpose, are there any activities or strategies or questions that you work with them on to help them address on finding their mission or clear purpose? Yes, uh, I will say I'm going to start sounding like a broken record and clear the noise first. Clear the stuck. Otherwise, it'll, well, I don't really know. I'm like, it's just, I, I've just been doing this thing. And, and there's a few different angles. You can go seven levels of why. Keep asking why. Why do you want to do this? Okay, cool. Now, why the why? Now, why the why the why? Now, why, 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 why? And because there's a, a fun little study about because, and it was people asking to cut in line in a copy machine. Like 
And I, people are generally nice. And it's like 68% if they ask, hey, can I cut in line? Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Now, when they added because, can I cut in line because I need to go pick up my kids? 98% of people let them go. And they, any, any old reason. And they got silly with it. Can I cut in line and make a copy because I need to make a copy? And just saying that, it was still 96% people let them. So if that does it for other people, giving yourself that because. Um, I want to get in shape and take care of myself because it will allow me to show up as a father. Okay, cool. Now, what is driving you showing up as a father? And when we can dig like seven or eight layers deep, figure out that driving force, that's, that's when we can find that purpose. And so many, I've had clients who are stuck on, well, I don't feel, I feel subconscious going and playing soccer and doing this and working out because I, I blew my knee out. So I'm not the athlete I used to be. And they're so stuck on well, what I used to be. And they have a thriving career and a family and a wife. And when you can shift the awareness to that, it's like, oh, okay. And, and one of my guys, we had six sessions together. The most powerful one was his first one. He's like, I carry that with me. I am a father. I am. And really, really long-winded way to say, drop your old baggage first before you try and align what your purpose is. Because if you're trying to live with, well, I was, you know, in the military, well, I was an athlete, well, I was this, it's going to be very hard to move forward and see what purpose you're serving now. And one of the easiest ways to figure what your, your purpose or your mission is, look at what you're doing. Do you like it? Cool. If you do, your purpose or your mission is somewhere in there. If you don't, what do you like? Perfect day, money's not a problem. What do you see yourself doing? Why do you see yourself doing that? And then we just we start playing that game again. Mm -hmm. That's 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 pretty good. Uh, pretty good advice. Out of curiosity, working with uh, with many men, what are the most common problems you are currently seeing with some of your clients that they are maybe experiencing? Uh, that's that's a that's a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if there's any kind of reoccurring yeah. themes that keep showing up, and you're like, oh, I I see this is this is uh, once again an A situation, or I see this again. Oh, this is a B situation, and the same things yeah. keep reoccurring, or or are they just all you know A through Z? Everything's unique and everything's different. Uh, the through line is especially for guys with families that they put themselves on the back burner in the name of the career. And while well, my wife has this and my kids have this and all the while putting their own mental and physical health on the back burner is sabotaging their career and leaving room in their marriage where they could be growing exponentially and hurting their relationship with their kids. Mm -hmm. So put yourself first so you can show up for others is the biggest shift that a lot of guys can make. I really like that. I really like that. Um, and 
another question I would ask you is for some of these students I was talking about, or, you know, adolescents and, and people who are kind of younger men, what advice would you give them to put them to being on a good path to being a man in today's society? For example, let's say what you know now and uh, through your experience and research and, you know, going through your life experiences, if you saw a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old Chase, what would you, what advice would you give him to, to making sure he's, he's on the right path? Ooh. I mean, I was an angry little shit. Um, <laughs> Stop being so angry. And, well, and that, that brings up an awesome, awesome point. A lot of guys have an internal fire, right? And oftentimes, like I know damn well, when I was young, mine burned out of control and it burned people around me and it burned me. So I put it out and I, it stayed squelched for a very long time, relatively speaking to the span of my life. And a lot of guys, fires will stay out. A lot of guys leave it out. They just, Sit in the dark. And true mastery is when you can rekindle that fire and learn to juggle it and learn to play with it and learn to swallow fire and have it controlled. So an, an analogy to say that you will have a power and learning to harness that, learning to harness your own energy and who you are before you burn someone, before you burn yourself, will save you years of your fire being out and trying to figure out how to rekindle it. And the best way to do that is to control your breath. Because if you can control your breath, you can control your words, you can control situations and conversations. I know, in my opinion, the only difference between a conversation and an argument The difference is whether or not the person speaking has already figured out what they're going to say before the person talking has got done speaking. Or if the person listening has already figured out what they're going to say before the person speaking gets done talking. Mm. One of the easiest ways to listen is by controlling your breath. Play a little game. See how long you can exhale when somebody's talking. And for a lot of adolescents, because it's stressful, you know, your hormones are going, you're walking around, are people looking at me? Am I, am I wearing the right thing? Or, you know, exhale and do it from your belly and listen. And that's going to save a lot of situations. Absolutely. I like that. Great advice. And, um, are there any books that it seems like you're kind of an avid reader as well? Are there any books you recommend uh, that you find very beneficial for, for men in general? Mm. One that is, I mean, there's a reason that I'm sure a lot of people say it and uh, 12 rules for life. Jordan Peterson. Oh, great book. Recently listened to this year. I believe it's a relatively new book. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, another good one. Yeah. Yeah. And he narrates the audible. So I highly recommend the audiobook version of that. And yeah, uh, set aside a couple months and Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. 
Okay, I haven't read that one yet. I read the other two, but I haven't read the Atlas Shrugged. I'll check it's from that out. the 50s, and it is that you're talking about precipice and uh, shifts in my journey. Atlas Shrugged, I read that in the Navy, and that one, that one restoked my fire. Mm-hmm. And speaking of restoking fire, what do you do when you stumble? When you, for example, lose that desire or you're having bad days, is there anything that you kind of remind yourself or do in order to kind of get you back on the path and, and have, you know, Chase being the best version of himself? Yeah, get, get a journal out. Mm. Get a journal out. And a journal and a pen is a spell book and a magic wand. Mm. So clear your junk out onto the journal. And then write what you would like to be doing, what you will do. And also breathe. If I'm having a particularly like day where my breath is trapped in my chest, I'll lay down and horizontal and go through three rounds of Wim Hof breathing. Mm. That is a great reset button. Because oftentimes, if you're having a bad day, you're not breathing. Mm. And this stuff can be so simplified. It's the words and the breath. And if you fix your words and you own your breath, you are going to become very, very powerful. Boom. I can imagine a better ending to that. Very cool. Anything else that you want to, any other final thoughts or things you would like to share um, before we wrap things up? No, I appreciate you having me. I will a refined signature version of the 12 week primal man pathway will be dropping April, 2022. Um, find me at chase com, Instagram at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. Other than that, man, it's been an amazing conversation. Great questions. Thank you for having me. Well, that does it for this week's episode of travel tribe podcast. Join us each Tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures. Until then, remember, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe. Stay adventurous.